I'm Jessica Sands, and this is Home and Away, the baseball podcast that dives deep into the teams, fans, caps, and snacks of some of the most fascinating organizations from around the minor and independent leagues. Welcome to episode two of season two of Home and Away. Welcome. I'm glad that you're back here with me. Yes, by now you're all missing baseball. Mm. We're going to throw it back to summer 2019 and take you through another minor league experience. Before we get into that, though, what are your takes on the new Blue Jays baby blues? I like them. I do too. I'm into it. I'm not a fan of the baby blue brim of the hat. And I don't like the navy. They should have stuck with blue jays blue. No. I disagree. I think the the baby blue works. And I think the navy blue on the baby blue works. Agree to disagree. Navy Mm. is just such a like boring basic color. I agree. I don't know. It's like... Sport uniform one, navy blue. Totally. So. I understand. I like the throwback, but we could have done better. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Anyways, Jess, uh, earlier, I guess in in the summer of 2019, you traveled down the I-5 to a little town in Washington uh, called Everett. Yes, I love a big grand baseball trip, but... As some of you know, I travel for a living, so sometimes just a little short jaunt across the border is all I need. So I rounded up a couple teammates and headed south. Yeah, and you went to go see the single-A Everett Aqua Sox of the Northwest League, um, who are the the short-season single-A affiliate of the Seattle Mariners, which are my team. So you are seeing potentially my future favorite players. It's true. Uh, and you were you're even, you all you came so close to seeing my current all-time favorite player. We did. Very familiar with the Everett Aqua Sox as they play our hometown team, the Vancouver Canadians. And they are the short season single A of a team that a lot of West Coast Canadians are a fan of, being that the Mariners are our closest MLB team. How did it compare to Nat Bailey? The experience, the Canadians versus Aqua Sox experience. Are they rivals more than just on the field? It's hard to say. I mean, they have some big name, big money behind their name in Funko Pops. Everybody loves Funko Pops. Um, they, of course, are playing at Funko Field. Yeah. The field is used by the high school community college teams as well. So it's a little bit less of a big league experience i would say than a stadium like the canadians play at that's just used for this team so who did you go to this game with you uh you brought a couple pals on a couple of uh of your rec league teammates and uh it seemed like everybody was having a very fun time we had a great time getting there um i don't know what to say beyond that (laughs) So um, we had a great time. I would say my two teammates, Jacob and Bruce, had a better time than I did as I was trying to keep things on track. But uh, you'll see it gets derailed <laughs> fairly Frequently quickly. Frequently and, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
So we'll uh, we're gonna have a good time. This is a fun little episode to take away from our normal, very serious and professional content. <laughs> My name is Bruce. I was in the bands Beelines, You Say Party, They Shoot Horses, and more recently, Energy Slime. So we've just come into beautiful Funko Field, and uh, our special guest, Bruce, uh, he's going to explain to us what a Funko is. Uh, Funko is a very popular thing with people. Uh, It's got a big head, and it's vinyl. And we're at beautiful Everett Memorial Stadium, apparently run by Everett School District number two. Um, I, for one, am not a collector of Funko Pops, um, but I I know that some people love them. Yes, I believe this 2019 was the first season that the field was named Funko Field, and that's because the headquarters of Funko are located in Everett, Washington. Who would have thunk? And there's a ginormous Funko-style baseball player in right field with a large net protecting it so if you're a fan you may get hit with the ball but the funko statue is safe do you own any funko pops i don't do, really, no I, I imagine they were selling aqua socks funko pops at the game there were and i think they gave one away on star wars night there was a star wars funko um this particular night it was a hat giveaway but we arrived too late which i was upset at my guess for making us late missed out on the free hat and that's really what it's all about folks you know what with promos it's like i don't want this but i need to have it and so anytime there's a promotional giveaway i will go early i'm not a bobblehead guy but if there's a bobblehead giveaway i'm lining up so talk maybe talk a little bit about what this field was like um because it does have some more unique elements to it than some of the other fields in the Northwest League. Yeah, it was interesting because this, it was kind of an athletic complex that was used by the high school, the community college, and the Aqua Sox. So there was a big football field, soccer field behind the stadium that they had a big bouncy castle and barbecue zone and things set up in. And then the concessions were actually underneath the stands of the field. And there were not a whole lot of options for hangout zones. You sort of had to be in your seat to be able to see the game. You couldn't really see your game from any other position other than your seat. Or there was a small sort of family picnic area in right field. So that was something that was a little bit different. Because I feel like a lot of the minor league parks have more of like a walk around. You can kind of stand anywhere and see. So it was more kind of enclosed. Um, the field was AstroTurf, which is, there's only three teams in the Northwest League that have Astro an artificial turf field. So. And that's, that's because they have a ton of teams that play on that. Yeah, so the, the artificial turf was put in in 2017 because I guess with all the teams playing on the field, it just, and the wet, you know, Pacific Northwest climate, the natural grass was sort of almost unusable. And so they replaced it with artificial turf. And it's a bit of a weird look. I mean, people have different views on AstroTurf. 
I prefer natural grass, but I understand that in certain climates and situations, it doesn't really make sense. So, so we have the concession stands are sort of underneath the stands. Can't really see the park from here. And AstroTurf Field. Did you see that? The whole field is turf. Which you don't see too often. AstroTurf is the future of grass. <laughs> That's a controversial take, Bruce. It's the right take. <laughs> oh, here we go. Restroom slash drinking fountain. It's exactly what you want. <laughs> I think I really do love minor league baseball a lot more than major. Why is that? These rinky-dink parks just, they make you feel at home. The mound and the batting circle. Yeah, the mound and the batter's circle is dirt, and the rest is AstroTurf, including the infield and the warning track. We've got a GA lawn out in right field and an interesting cutout. 329 right field pole, 330 center, and then it there's a weird cutout in left center in that's yeah. 390 and a net protecting, it looks like the speedway. When we came in, I told Wade, I was like, uh, it's going to get cold tonight. This stadium was built apparently in what, 98? When we walked in, but like this looks like something from another time, like from like we're watching 1950s baseball. It kind of looks like they fit the field in the space they had, rather than designing a field. It's really short in center. Yeah, my my love of minor league sports isn't baseball specific though. I love all lower levels of leagues where people have given their lives. They're very good at what they do, but they're not the best. And I relate to that as someone who's been pretty good at a lot of things, but never the best at any of them. <laughs> it's, it's very local, very specific, but, you know... One of my favorite parts of going to a game is making friends with our fellow fans around us. So we managed to do that at the Aquasox game, and he gave us the lowdown on Everett, the field, and the team. So the school district owns all of those buildings right there. That's our uh, like district headquarters. We own this. This year we sold the naming rights to Funco, which is a huge company coming in. He knows all about it. Yeah, sold that this year. Our high school baseball team plays on the same field. That's why our season starts later than everybody else's. Yeah, that's our track and football field. Yeah. I didn't know that your season started later than all the other teams here. That's about two weeks later. Uh, so it just starts with a road trip. Yep. That's so why Everett always starts at the season in Vancouver or whatever. So we're visiting from uh, Vancouver. Okay. St. Louis, the Canadians, yeah. play them occasionally. I think we're fighting for last place right now. You, did you come up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what was the merch situation like 
for the Aqua Sox because personally, and you got me, you got me one of their hats because of course you went to the game without me. Um, and they do, they have like this really fun frog logo with like a vibrant green on a navy with a little specks of orange in it. Um, what was the merch situation at this game? It was pretty good. I mean, like you said, I'm a fan of the logo. There were mixed reviews on. Um some people don't like the kitschy style. I'm here for it. Um, they had a dad hat, which I'm a fan of. They had a fitted hat for you. Love the navy with the splashes of color. The team store itself was pretty small, and there wasn't a ton of selection, but the items they had were good. They had all the standard stuff, T-shirts, baseballs, koozies, hats. So They also had throwback to the old version of this team yeah so the team was called the everett giants from 1984 to 1994 and then the name was changed after they ended their affiliation with the san francisco giants which i'm a fan of i personally don't really like when teams are just named the same name as their my major league affiliate not a fan totally yeah i totally get on board with that like if there's a second for you to be creative and silly take advantage of that. And the Aqua Sox is such a silly name that's like, it, it, it's like the name can launch a thousand different design opportunities. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And creative, not only creativity, I just feel like the teams need to have their own identity. These cities have their own identity. The teams are, yes, they're affiliates of a major league team, but often the fans and the people that go, they really relate to the sort of local feel of the team within the community and whatnot. So I think just having your team called the Cubs or called the Yankees, it kind of takes that away because to me, that just makes me think of the MLB affiliate as opposed to identifying with the minor league team itself. Yeah, totally. Uh, Going back to the uniforms, though. Like the Aqua Sox have the frogs jerseys. Yeah, I l- love those jerseys. Unfortunately, we missed the uh, hat giveaway. Oh, look at all those nice hats people are wearing. We missed the trucker hat giveaway. I am pissed for one. That's a nice Everett Giants T-shirt. All right, we're gonna hit the frog shop, and Bruce is our merchandise expert he's going to give you the rundown sorry i gotta check out this uh, ever giant t-shirt wherever it is oh i think you have to oh it's right there i think you have to tell them maybe (laughs) this is a everett giants t-shirt which was everett's minor pro team before the aqua Sox, as far as i understand 47 brand. That's pretty good. It looks like the Giants logo, but it says Everett over top. <laughs> and that makes it cooler. That's a fact. I agree. Any old school throwback? I like this um, dad hat. I'm more of a dad hat. The Everett Aqua Sox logo looks like a child's water park. <laughs> it's terrible. Everything about it is bad. <laughs> Sideways Mariners logo. Sideways Mariners logo is the way to go. Ooh, so the Triton is sideways, so it makes an E. I understand. I'm smart like that. This is a Conquistadors. 
I like that hat. That one's nice. That's yeah. like the shirt you would get um, for free when you enter the water park. <laughs> well, this one says Cerveza baseball. Cerveza baseball. That's pretty sweet. I like that one. Uh, here's a little known fact. I play in a band called LaMaster, named after Johnny LaMaster, one of the worst San Francisco Giants of all time. <laughs> so I feel like Everett Giants Baseball Club is the t-shirt for me. The t-shirt equivalent of that? Yeah, <laughs> the worst baseball team of all time. So that takes us now to our marquee segment the snack chat segment uh you had a couple of pinch eaters here um one was more courageous than the other i should say because you guys were approaching an unconventional ballpark food item yeah so once again the marquee item contained meat so i was out so i had two pinch eaters and the local recommended, he said, you gotta try the chowder. I believe it's pronounced chowda, but that's fine. Anyways, so you didn't have any, so you're not pesca at all, hey? I don't eat any, no. If it has a central nervous system, no dice. No fish. And to me, that was an advantage in this particular case, because <laughs> there's nothing I would rather eat less on a hot day than a bowl of creamy Clam chowder. Oh, that's good. Cool. The chowder is the marquee item. Washington We've Washington heard it from a local. So we got to try it. No, that is going to move down the Every game at home and on the road is on 1388 of an FM 95.3. The shirt says, don't you know. Sports and more. Now we know. It's the chowder. Got, uh, the reason why I said chowder is because we've got Irish seafoods here. It's based here right. uh, okay. for Irish chowder, which is everything itself frozen chowder across the world. But you gotta get a chowder. You gotta get a chowder. It's not a horrible chowder. I've got a horrible chowder. I mean, it's not very hot. It's not very hot. Number fifteen, Patrick. So the next Frick. town just south of us. I love Patrick Frick. I mean, if it's 100 degrees, though, I'm not eating a bowl of chowder. Does it come in a red bowl? Yeah. Red bowl? I'm interested. We'll go after this half In the name of the podcast, in the interest for all of you, our fans, Bruce and Jacob gave it a try. I couldn't imagine a belly full of beer and then, like, creamy clam chowder on a hot day. Yowza. But, well, uh, you'll, you'll hear what they thought of it. We'll let you experience it along with Bruce and Jacob. All right, so on this edition of Snack Chat, we have been told we got to get the chowder, which to me seems like a really nasty thing to have on a hot summer's day, but we are about to try a bread bowl. Bruce, you're up. All right, Bruce is subbing out. We have a, a pinch eater, I've, pinch, I've, pinch eater, Jacob. I've actually pit, pinch eight before, um, so this is uh, usual territory for me. Um, this is an entire loaf of bread. It sort of looks like an egg. It's a cream-based chowder. 
I'm interested. It's warm. I can feel the heat radiating off of it. So I'm I'm taking off the top loaf of a, a full sourdough bread loaf. And here I go into what appears to be a soupy uh, bread concoction. There's some clam, some clams in here. There's some, there's some gray items. Mmm, it's warm. It's tasty. That's sort of how I expect clam chowder to taste inside of a loaf of bread. It's okay. Um, for a ball field, I couldn't imagine sitting in a seat and eating this. Like as like a, someone who were to watch like nine innings of baseball, would just eat this for like seven and a half innings. It might ruin me. I might have to leave by the sixth inning if I were to eat this. But it's hot and it remains hot because it's enclosed in a sourdough loaf. Bruce, do you care to give it a try there? Uh, just let me uh, give it a little taste here. Mm. That is some really good clam chowder. I would eat this for the full nine innings, <laughs> no matter what. Hey, hey, if it went to extra innings, I would not complain. 11 innings, 12 innings, this is a quality clam chowder. I feel like by the time extra innings came around, the, the, the bread bowl might deteriorate and it might come out like a weird Terminator egg and just like fall apart and then the clam chowder the remnants of the clam chowder would just like complete the rest of the plate and it'd be some weird thing even if this clam chowder fully aliened me and popped out of my chest i would think that's a quality clam chowder <laughs> now somewhere in between full bowls of clam chowder and loaves of sourdough. <laughs> uh, and you actually had a moment where you threw on your sports journalist cap and uh, you, you had a pretty interesting interview lined up. So as you know, we like to highlight women in baseball on this podcast, and I was lucky with the Everett Aqua Sox to interview Amanda Lee, the head athletic trainer. Um, so I played basketball growing up. I played softball a long time ago and then switched to basketball once I got a little older. So basketball was my thing, but I've always been a fan of baseball. I love watching it. Went to all the games I could. Begged my friends to go because they all thought it was boring. So ever since I knew I wanted to do athletic training, I knew baseball was what I wanted to work. Awesome. And it seems to be a good trend in baseball with uh, Sue Falsoni, the first half head athletic trainer in the majors, and now Nikki Huffman with the Jays. So what are your goals as a trainer? So Sue is actually what inspired me. So. I loved baseball and then I had a surgery in high school that took me out of basketball for a little while and uh, eventually the same problem I had came back so not playing basketball was a really hard decision and as I was recovering from my first surgery I saw a breaking news headline across ESPN saying that Sue was the first female athletic trainer with one of the four major professional sports, NFL, NHL, MLB, and base basketball. So um, after I saw that go across, I said, I'm going to be the second. 
Obviously, that's not true now, but that's definitely still my goal is to make it to the major leagues. So your experience as an athlete and recovering from an injury, that must help you in working with the players now. Absolutely. Um, so came back from my first surgery, and then shortly after that, my symptoms came back. I had to have surgery again, and that's what kind of made me make the decision of not playing basketball. So I wanted to play in college. I didn't plan on going any further than that. So um, that was really hard um, to make that decision, really difficult. So my, yeah, my whole purpose is to keep these athletes healthy so it doesn't end their career, so they don't have to go through that. So it's a really hard time and really hard thing to go through, and that's your life. So take me through an average day as a trainer, an average game day, I guess, because I'm sure it changes. Yeah, okay, so it's different on the road versus home, but we'll, we'll do a home. It's, it's a little more steady. So I get to the field anywhere. Some days I get there super early, like if I want quiet time before the guys get in to get stuff done without them yelling my name 500 times. So I get there probably anywhere around 11 and noon-ish. Um, when I get there, there's always paperwork to do. It's never ending. So I do as much paperwork as I can before the guys start getting there. The guys generally show up for lift at like sometimes 11.45, but normally we have a meeting at like 1.30-ish, team meeting. So I get everything done before then. Right after the meeting, the guys start coming for treatments. I always work with the pitchers first because they go out quite a bit before the position players do. So work with the pitchers, do treatment on them. Um, the position players start piling after the pitchers. I try to get out to the field as soon as possible. I'm not always out there when the pitchers are throwing like I'd like to be, just depending on how many guys need treatment. After a road trip, the treatment list doubles. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we do treatment. We go outside. Um, the pitchers throw, position players hit in the cage, do the normal BP and stuff. I'm out there for all of that, just in case something's to happen. Every now and then I'll throw on my glove, shag, or play catch. They beg me to play catch all of the time, but my arm's not quite in the shape that theirs is. So it's a little, little tiresome for me. But yeah, so we go through treatments. After everybody's come in, I follow them in or I lead the way in. Um, we do more treatments. Um, starting pitchers, they're always prioritized. So um, let's say they want to come in at 540, so I have 540 slots taken up so if I'm working on somebody else I'll finish their treatment but nobody else gets treatment until the starter pitcher. We do more treatments. I try to fit in as much paperwork as possible in between the time of treatments as well. Um, very rarely do I even think to eat during all of that <laughs> time so a lot of times when we go out to the game in like the seventh inning I'm like why am I starving? I'm like oh probably because I haven't eaten all day. So sometimes I'll grab a bite to eat before the game but really it's just treatments all the way up until the time we go out. I try to get outside about 30 minutes before game time. Again, that doesn't always happen because the guys like to come in very, very last minute to get last minute treatment. Get out to the field. I like to be out there while they're stretching and stuff. Some guys will need an additional stretch out on the field, so I'm out there for that. And then it's game time. So what when the game's actually happening, are you just keeping an eye on them and see, in case anything happens? Yeah, most of the time I'm listening to their funny stories and their crazy dugout talk but yeah so I'm in the dugout um, if something is to happen I'm there ready to go and yeah that's that's pretty much all I do in the dugout every now and then somebody will slide in get a cut boo-boo and wrap it up take care of it but for the most part there's there's not a whole lot to do in the dugout after the game it gets busy again more treatments if anybody's to get hurt that's when I do my full evaluation 
there is so much documentation that goes into it. I have a lot of people to report back to if a new injury is to occur. Um, so that's when I do all of that. After the game and after the treatments and I get everything cleaned up, I like to stay and get my notes done there because when I get home, I'm ready for a shower and a bed. So when I get home, I don't want to do anything. So I get everything I need done at the field. So sometimes I'm there till 2 a.m. depending on when the game gets done. But I would say I'm there an average of two hours after the game and then for the most part, I'm like, okay, it's late. I'll finish up the rest in the morning. I do all the important stuff and then do the rest in the morning. Wow, that's a long hours and many days in a row with these guys. Yeah, it's it's long days, but like I'm busy the full day, so like it doesn't seem like it's really as long as it is until like I have a second to sit down and I'm like, whew, I'm exhausted. So I go to bed and generally is what wakes me up in the morning is my phone ringing. So, Player moves, players calling, needing something, you name it, it happens. So generally, I don't even set an alarm in the morning. I'm, I'm awake pretty early. Very busy. So you spent four years in the Dodgers organization. What prompted the move to the Mariners and the, the Everett Aquatel? So it's kind of a long story. So yeah, in college, I had an amazing opportunity to work with the Dodgers. And then while finishing up college, I had an internship with their double-A team, and I got to stay um, with them through the remainder of the season after I graduated. That led to my position last year, helped lead to my position last year, um, where I was working with major minor league rehab. So I was at their complex in uh, P, no, not Peoria, we're in Peoria now, Glendale, Arizona. Um, so it was kind of a long story, but I wasn't on contract last year. So I knew for sure I was ready to like move up and be in a position. I wanted to work with a team. Like I loved doing rehab way more than expected, but I wanted to work with a team. Like being out on the field is like really, really what I enjoy, and that's what I knew I wanted to do and where I needed to be. So I was ready to move up. Um, they opened a new AZL position, so their Arizona League position. Um, so that opened up a position possibly for me to be in. I went through the same interview process as everybody else just because I was originally hired there before didn't mean that I deserved a position over anybody else. So I went through all of the steps that everybody else went to. I think I had like five different interviews. It was crazy. It was all with people that I had worked with all season also. So it, was, it seemed kind of silly and tedious, but... So it was a really long process. It's like almost Christmas time. I'm super stressed out because I don't have an official job yet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to ever get to do this again? Like, did I lose my opportunity? Really stressed out, freaking out. I'm a big planner, so I was like, I need to know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, long story short, I had a few teams reach out to me. Um, the Mariners were one of them. Uh, sent them my stuff. I had an interview. A couple hours later, I'm just watching TV. I get this random phone call. It was my second interview, so I was like, oh, my goodness, that was so fast. So I had my second interview. Two days later, I get a phone call, and they offered me the position. Wow. So a gentleman with the Dodgers, his name was Ron Porterfield, he made me promise not to take a position with any other team before I called him and let him know. So I called him, let him know. He told me that was a great opportunity. It was a step higher than they could have given me because instead of being in rookie ball, I was going to be in short season. So... He told me I'd be silly not to take the position. I called back and accepted the position, and here I am. Amazing. Well, I saw one of your posts from a while ago, that, and it said, can't wait for the day that the MILB and MLB start to accommodate for females in the clubhouse. I don't ask for much, just a bathroom. And I was reminded, because I tour with fans, and I had a show once where in the production office there was only a urinal, and so I, it totally <laughs> hit home with me. So 
you, and not to dwell on it too much because you are just a professional doing the job like anybody else, but what are some challenges you've faced? Just a short list. Not being able to find a bathroom is like honestly the least of my worries most of the time. But like in this clubhouse, it's very difficult to like get to the restroom without having to walk through like the clubhouse. So in between innings, if I need to use the restroom, I have to run out to the concourse. It's not a big deal. The bathroom's like right on the other side of the door. But the line in between innings is always ridiculous in a women's restroom. And any woman can agree with that statement, I'm sure. So it's just the waiting in the line. And like I'm not going to jump the line. Like I'm going to wait in line just like anybody else. I'm not any more important than anybody else. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I hear the inning starting I have to hurry I'm like washing my hands running out the door I look like a crazy lady running through the concourse with <laughs> scissors in my back pocket but other than a bathroom honestly uh, just some of the clubhouses like my athletic training room is like clear across the middle of the clubhouse the locker room so you have to walk through the guys know I'm here and I know they're there so we just respect each other and there hasn't been any issues with that so sometimes it can be a little inconvenient but it's nothing that we can't work with so it's really not a huge deal at all. It would just be nice to have a restroom sometimes that <laughs> I don't have to run down the hall to get to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So last question, just dealing with the Everett Aqua Sox specifically, what's your favorite part of the game in terms of promos or fun things they do for the fans? My favorite part of the game, honestly, it, it has probably during the game, it's probably the promos it's always so fun to see them we're on the third base side back home so whenever they're doing the the promos they're like right there all the guys are on the the railing cheering everybody on we always obviously are rooting for the the team that's on our baseline but yeah it's always fun just getting the the fans excited by the guys cheering them on it's always really fun to watch so (laughs) i guess i'm kind of more interview i guess i'm more interested in what your your final thoughts on maybe not so much the Everett game, but maybe the company that you kept. <laughs> uh, I would perhaps. No, you know what? I had a great time. Um, I think the Everett Aqua Sox are in a unique position where, yes, they are short season single A, but the proximity to their MLB affiliate means you do see, you get to see big league players come down for a game or two. So I think as a more family friendly option to seeing the Mariners play it's great we had a great time it's close enough we could drive home after the game so yeah be careful of the company you keep whatever Jake and Bruce can bring me along next time I'm (laughs) sure I'm sure I'm sure they'd rather it anyways we had a good time they had a designated driver everything was fine really all right, Bruce, what did you learn today? Amazing. Who are they playing About this park. I learned that baseball is a fun They're sport playing. for everybody. <laughs> They're doing no, the about Griffey. You know what? Edgar looks like he is still playing. About uh, Griffey? I learned that Griffey hit a real big one over the fence here. And it was his first pro... Big one over the fence. <laughs> OMG, this show is getting canceled. It's been a good run, season two. The podcast has been canceled. The podcast has been canceled. RIP. It was my mistake. I take full responsibility for the talent I have enlisted. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
for this particular episode. I'm gonna go see if I can still get some beers, and if that's the case, I'm gonna bring them back. Oh my god. OMG, I hope you got that one. Oh, this has been a huge mistake, and I still have to drive these chuckleheads home. Two hours, probably three. Home and Away is hosted by me, Jessica Sands, and produced by Jamie Sesford. This podcast is recorded at CJSF 90.1 FM on the unceded ancestral territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, Coquitlam, and Saleil Latouf. Special thanks to Bruce Dick, Jacob Peltier, Amanda Lee, and the Everett Aquasocks. You can find us online at homeandawaypod.com and on Twitter and Instagram at homeandawaypod.com.